Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from the tech and business world and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today, big episode, very excited. We have Webb Smith, the founder of 2PM, though he's done a lot of other incredible things. Also, prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Webb, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Alexis. I'm so excited. I love when a Twitter connection slash friendship can become a real life connection slash friendship. Likewise, proud to be here. Like I said to you privately, I've watched your videos for quite some time. I've laughed, <laughs> I've cackled. And the weird thing about Twitter is you just never think to reach out to someone and say, hey, congratulations on doing a great job with your content and reaching me, you know? Love that. I appreciate that so much. I am so grateful to you for taking the time and I'm excited to dive in. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by WorkLife, the first venture capital firm designed for a new era where work is more creative and anyone can start something, where life is more flexible and not tied to an office, where everyone is a triple threat. Discover the latest tools to start your own business from, well, anywhere, like Tahoe, Tulum, or, you know, the spare room at your parents' house. Just a thought. Whether it's a jewelry line, merch shop, or a podcast, WorkLife has backed tools for you, yes, you, to build and finance your business. WorkLife is an investor in-house, tonal, settle for financing your direct-to-consumer brand without venture capital, and gorgeous for building better customer support for your e-commerce store. Sign up for the WorkLife newsletter for interviews with creators and updates on new tools for your work life at worklife.vc. Okay, so to give our listeners a little bit of context on you professionally before I pivot and don't ask you anything about it, Webb is the founder of 2PM, which is a B2B media brand and consultancy for the commerce and media industries with clients like Verizon Media, The Churning Group, and ButcherBox. He served as the co-founder of DTC menswear brand Mizzen and & Main, and he also previously worked in an e-commerce capacity at Rogue, Uncrate, and Gear Patrol. Webb, I'm so excited to not ask you about that. I'm so excited <laughs> to ask you about you. <laughs> I'm actually more excited than you are. So let's, let's uh, kick this off. Okay. So my first question for you is this. Work is done for the day and you close your computer. Then what? Well, to be frank, when work is done for the day, I don't close my computer. Okay. So I, I actually... I'm a huge fan of history. So I either watch documentaries about things that I feel are enriching. Okay. Or I watch movies with historical context that I find valuable. That tends to be on the laptop that I'm no longer working on at 10 o'clock at night. Totally. So it's like you leave the Zoom meeting and then you fire up the documentary. You yourself are not moving, but mentally you're transported right. yes. somewhere else. To yesteryear, yes. To yesteryear. Is there a particular era that you focus on? Um, I'm a big fan of post-revolutionary American history. The Middle Ages would be fun. I feel like it's more fictional than not. And I really just want to get into the meats and potatoes of it all. Right now, just like the making of America and entrepreneurship in the early 1800s, 17, late 1700s, I think is like the most fascinating era for me. Yeah. Have you ever thought about getting behind the camera and making a documentary? Making a documentary, no. But I am rewriting a screenplay for Gatsby. Oh, hello. That is interesting. That's so cool. So when you do that, is that a weekend project, a morning project? It is a late night project. So I typically go to bed... Don't hold this against me, everyone. I typically go to bed <laughs> between 1 and 2 a.m. And I wake up at 7 or 7.30. Okay. So doing some light math, that is between like five and six and a half hours of sleep. Yes. You can, you can just roll with that. You're one of those people. So far, so good. I will let you know if that changes. I'm very impressed. I often wish that I could sleep less and still thrive. <laughs> well, I'm sure it'll catch up to me. I'm just so excited about so many things. I don't believe in like hustle culture or anything like that. Yeah. I just really like to create things. And I feel like I'm on this streak where maybe if I keep doing this, I might get good at it. I relate to that so much. I actually at night often have trouble putting things down because I'm truly excited. That's the feeling. It's like, oh God, I want to keep doing this. Like I'm excited to work on this thing. That's, that's exactly the point. So I will tell you the reason why I'm rewriting Gatsby. That was going to be my next question. So there we go. 
I believe that F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote Jay Gatsby as a light-skinned black guy. Okay. Tell me what you mean by that. If you read the book contextually, if you look at the other characters in the book, like Tom, Mm -hmm. who is a misogynist and amongst other things, he's almost talking to Gatsby in a way that would make a lot more sense if he knew that he was a black guy who could pass for white. Mm. And so my grandfather, my grandfather was an African-American who could pass for white. And so I have familiarity when it comes to how he lived his life and what he could have done to make his life easier had he chosen not to have an African-American family. Would your grandfather have been about Gatsby's age then, timeline-wise? Ooh, no. No, he would have been post... So he was born in the 1920s. Gatsby was alive and well in the Roaring Twenties. Oh, got it, got it. Okay. So yeah, I'm writing it. I'm writing the story as I believe F. Scott Fitzgerald intended. Wow. That is truly captivating. I think that would be so interesting. I loved The Great Gatsby. And I... It's it's my favorite book. Have you reread the book in your screenplay efforts? I have. So there's a scene where... Tom is talking about this book. In the, in the book itself, it's a fictional book. It's essentially called The Rise of the Colored Empire in the book. But in real life, there was a book of a similar title around that age. And keep in mind, I believe that Tom was talking about the person at his table. He was talking about Gatsby. He was like, I know that this is a problem. It's going to continue to be a problem. I recognize like what you are. I want you to know that I am anti-you. Wow. Okay. Are there any like interviews with F. Scott Fitzgerald? Has anyone ever brought this question up with him before? I don't think so. You know, he's he's clarified a few things in the early years. Because remember, the book didn't really take off until like the 1940s. Mm, It took mm -hmm. off because they shipped a bunch of books to the U.S. military to read. That's why? I didn't know that at all. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's like the blog post that I wrote four years ago that no one ever read. And magically one day I wake up and it's like, oh, you know, someone actually cares about this. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. That, right. There was a four-year gap between when you published something and when it took off. It's happened before. And I think in, in, in some way, that's the same thing that happened to F. Scott. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, cool. So it, it took a little while to gain popularity. Has F. Scott Fitzgerald like published anything talking about the book? No, I don't think that he has, uh, but he, there's so many clues. So in the book itself, he talks about how Gatsby's hair looks and how often he has to cut it. Mm, okay. Right? If you look like Leo, you don't cut your hair very often. That's a good point. If you look like me, I get my hair cut every three or four days. Today was one of those days. Today was one of those days. <laughs> so I, we know. I can back this yeah, up. First-hand account. And that's not abnormal for men of color because yeah. just the way that our hair grows. And so, uh, yeah, there are a ton of clues like that. Wow. I just, I think it's going to be so cool to see that interpretation come through. And I think that a screenplay is going to be a really great way to tell that story, which just sounds like it'll be really captivating. Well, I think the first thing I'll do is h- hand it off to someone that actually has the, the proper connections to see it through. It's like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you how that goes. That's awesome. Okay, so that's between the hours. That's the late night stuff, maybe yeah. up until 2 a.m. Do you cook? Not enough. I okay. I enjoy cooking, but I typically only cook when the Smith women want me to cook. Okay. <laughs> Other, otherwise, I tend to eat a pretty regimented pool of seven different things. Almost, seven? Almost every day, yeah. Or is this a guesstimate? Are you about to hit me with a list of seven things? <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a tight guesstimate. I, I eat the same things almost every single day. Okay, I gotta know. Just give me a couple. Um, I'm just curious. Oh What's the, what are we working with? This could go in so many different directions. I'm dying to know. All right, so a ton of almonds. Number one, yep, almonds. These, okay, perfect. These bars are like pure fat. Yeah, sure. I eat a lot of canned salmon. Hmm. And a lot of sparkling water. Okay. The, um, the essential four food groups of Wet Smith. Yes. There's one more. There's these oh. prepackaged salads that my wife grabs for me that I feel are lifesavers. Otherwise, I wouldn't have anything that's actually healthy. When the Smith women want you to cook, you cook. Yes. 
Do you enjoy cooking? I enjoy the process of balancing everything at once. So it's usually mm. I'm grilling three types of meat. I'm preparing several types of vegetables. If it's hamburgers or something, making sure that the buns are you know toasted appropriately all at the same time. I appreciate the battle of that. Okay. Okay. You're yeah. going to war with the food. Going to war with the food. That is actually the part I find most stressful about cooking, to be totally honest with you. But if you succeed, it's a good feeling. Yeah. When I succeed for the first time, I'll let you know. You'll be my first text. <laughs> yeah. Not not typically for me. I was just watching though, The Great British Baking Show. Have you seen that? I haven't. Oh my God. I love it so much. It's so soothing. It is literally just bakers baking in this gorgeous British countryside. And the whole show is they are assigned different items to bake. And then the judges say things like, yeah, that's a good bake. <laughs> Oh my God. That's a good sponge. Yeah. It's a bit moist on the bottom then. And that's the tone of the whole show. And I, it's like, excited at all. they'll be like, Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I like the way you've done that. And it's like unbelievable to me. And I love it so much. I wish I could bake stuff and then immediately give it to other people. That takes a lot of like will. Oh no, that would be my preference. If I could see people in person, that's what I would do. Huh. I would just bake it and be like, well, here's a pie. I've heard of this, actually. There's a guy in Florida now, because there isn't great pizza in Florida, according to this lifer, New Yorker, yep. he imported all the goods to Florida and started making New York style pizza. And now he's selling like $100,000 a month in pizza from his house. What? Yes. Where? Do you know this person personally? No, no. It's, it was a story I read. I was like, oh, that's okay. genius. You know how the way that I think it's like, oh, <sighs> this is going to start a cottage industry of like Etsy for food where people are shipping like legitimately mm -hmm. great food from their own homes at scale. Wow. Baked goods. I love that. Okay. I'm absolutely going to look that up because I need to find that guy. <laughs> There you go. I need a pizza. I, I'm kind of a snob about pizza and bagels from New York. I live in New York for a while. And so I am. I have to admit to you, I'm one of those people that's like, oh, you can't get a good bagel anywhere else. <laughs> but you can't. True. It's true. Yeah, I'm right. It's good. true. Okay, it's we like, agree. It's, it's like barbecue in the South. New York just, just stopped doing it. Where in the South has the best barbecue? <sighs> On the record or off the record? Well, this is a podcast that will be distributed publicly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the official answer is probably like Kansas City or North Carolina. Okay. However, I'm from Texas. Okay. And, and I choose Texas. Texas it is. I mean, I am going to agree with whatever you say because I don't know. So to me, you're right. And it's Texas. Are you not a barbecue person? I really love ribs and I love like barbecue sauce on ribs, like really good fall off the bone, you know, that nice char, but... That's very specific. Yes. But this is going to make me sound so pretentious. I, I hate eating with my hands. <laughs> I know. I honestly shouldn't admit that. It's really... I'm mortified, but it's true. I don't, I don't like it getting all over my fingers. And so barbecue is not typically my like cuisine of choice for that reason. You eat pizza with a knife and fork. I eat pizza with caution. I do not eat pizza <laughs> with a knife and fork. <laughs> I'm not going that far. I mean, but there are like napkins involved. I'll sure. do the roll or the, the fold, which is you know yes. how it is intended to be eaten. Yes. True. It's a lot cleaner that way. Yeah. You got, you do the fold, a little pat, a grease pat. Less contact with the cheese. Yeah. So anyway, that is why I have not typically indulged in a ton of barbecue ribs or what's up. Fair enough. I feel like it'd be embarrassing to take rib meat with a fork off of the bone in public. I, you know, the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to confirm that. In Texas, they have this chain called Luther's. It's not great, but it's okay. very Texas. And as a child, my mom would take me to Luther's and they had all you could eat ribs for like $18. <gasps> and one oh day, as a middle school kid, I had over 70 ribs. No. Yes. So no. I'm surprised that I'm still here and functioning. That is so many pigs. That's like multiple pigs. It makes me feel really bad now <laughs> that you put it that way. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that's, that's grotesque. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You don't but think God. about that as a child, but yes, it's a lot of pigs. No. 
Wow. In the way that I'm watching Great British Bake Off, you mentioned you're watching documentaries. Do you do any binge TV watching? Yes. I mean, I I stay up late. So I usually have the TV on the background to provide some company. Totally. You know? Same. Mm-hmm. I did The Queen's Gambit recently. Okay. It was fine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I just, you knew what was going to happen. Like, you, What a three-star review. Wait, I haven't seen it. Don't tell me. Okay. okay. And then, um, I don't know. I, I tend to watch anything that Twitter buzzes about because I, I like to share the experience with the people. The only time I've totally. never done that was for Game of Thrones. And I still regret it. <gasps> Have you seen it since or no? I've never seen Game of Thrones. You were too far gone? Yeah. Like it I was mean, too, too deep? Yeah. Season four, it's like, no, I don't have time to watch 60 hours of television. I totally get that. And what I did wrong with Game of Thrones was I started watching it when everybody else did. However, I waited a long time between seasons and forgot everything that happened. And every character on that show looks the same to me. They are all just like early 30s brunette men with a jawline that won't quit. That is every (laughs) single cast member of Game of Thrones to me. So I had to go back and rewatch seasons one and two because I couldn't remember anything. I lost hours of my life doing that. Hours. If I ever succeed in life, I will Mm -hmm. take the time to watch 90 hours of HBO. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's like when someone wins a sports trophy and they're like, you just won this sports trophy. What are you going to do next? They're like, I'm going to Disney World. Web's like, I'm going to finally sit down and watch Game of Thrones. Exactly. It'll take me a week, but I'll do it. Were there any other big buzzy shows that you indulged in over the last few months that Twitter was talking about? Yeah. So... You're familiar with Black Twitter, right? Black Twitter has these mechanisms where something can be mediocre, but if it gets the ear of Black Twitter, it's going to be huge. Okay. Well, White Twitter did a great job with that with respect to Ted Lasso. Like every guy that okay. I know in tech <laughs> said the same the same tweet it was oh, Ted Lasso is great. Ted Lasso is great. <laughs> that happened for 4 weeks. I was like, "Listen, I'm I'm out of principle. I'm not going to watch this because every single guy is saying the same thing. Ted Lasso yeah. is great. Oh my God. Ted mm-hmm. Lasso is the perfect show. Yeah. Finally, I was like, you know what? Mm, maybe I'm being a little rude. I mean, I feel like sure. if, this was, if this was coming from Black Twitter, I'd have been like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I did it. And it was, it was, yeah. the, it was the perfect show. Ted Lasso? <laughs> yeah, it was great. Oh, it was, wow. <laughs> it was amazing. But I've never seen yeah. a show in the era of Twitter, get picked up and buzzed about like that. Ted Lasso was like a different like niche type of show, you know? I agree. Totally. I agree that I like to be in on the community buzz show. I like to know what people are talking about. However, I will tell you that for me, I hit a tipping point where when too many people talk about it, I don't want to watch it. And that was Tiger King for me. Oh, you didn't watch it? I didn't watch it. It was the, it was the worst uh, for worst eight or nine hours of my life. Right. <laughs> like, I know. Hence why I did not watch that. But Twitter was unusable for days. People were like, she killed him and there's a tiger and this person, I don't even know, like runs a cult. And I was just like, who has the mental bandwidth right now to take on these problems? So I think the timing of it was imperative because of COVID and people's like immediate boredom. But that was a great example of what I'm talking about. Tiger King blew up because like the culture picked it up and said, this is so outrageous. You got to watch it. Yeah. And then you, you're watching it and you're like feeling guilty the entire time. You're like, oh my gosh, this is such a waste of space, of energy. Mm-hmm. Of It was awful. I'm so proud of you for not succumbing. Thank you. I'm proud of myself. So I really appreciate that vote of confidence. Yeah. I did feel a little out of the loop though. You know, people still talk about Tiger King, but it's over. I think it's pretty much over, which is great. You missed it. And I'm thrilled to say that I did miss it. And I think importantly, because we didn't have any sort of Halloween situation this year, I think we also were spared from 1 million Tiger King costumes. Oh my gosh, you're so right. Wow. Wow. I know. Let that wave of relief just crash over you that Mm. we didn't have to go through that as a society. The only downside to this is... I don't know if you realize it, but even if the children didn't watch it, they knew all the characters. Oh. So so my six-year-old daughter knew who Carol Baskin was. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. Really tense. Yeah. That is... Hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, you can't protect them, I guess, when no, something's that big. No, not in this age. Not in this not age. Not in this age. They're, they're going to see it from TikTok, from Snap, somewhere they're going to get the references, you know? Yeah. So. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. That is wild. That is very good perspective for me. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't interact with a lot of six-year-olds. I'm not plugged into the six-year-old zeitgeist. Let me tell you, it is a... Uh... It's a very weird thing to be a 37-year-old dad to a 13-year-old girl in 2020. I, so, I can imagine. Yeah. Is there any like cool slang from the 13-year-old that you're learning these days? No, they don't actually speak in words anymore. They just do TikTok dances. Okay. I love that. Okay. Yeah. That is good to know. I, I love the way that millennials and people older than millennials take language from kids and then use it quote, ironically, and then it becomes not ironic. Like yes. an example of this is things being lit. Yes, exactly. So the example for this generation would probably be doing the woe, which is like um, a component of the TikTok dance, okay. a component of it in a way that embarrasses them because they know how to do it appropriately and parents mm. don't get it right. Like that's how we use their words against them. By is doing the woe the... The fists. Yes. No, exactly. I'm not doing it right. Sort of. Don't worry about it. I'm. Oh, don't you worry. There is no universe in which I'm about to do this dance. Well, but I, is, I'm trying to make sure I know the one we're talking about because I want to. I want to be aware. They take those dances so seriously that if you try to mock them by doing it like around them, that's like using yeah. their words, ironically. Yes. Oh. Okay. Okay. I will say I got a twisted amount of joy recently by torturing my friend's younger brother, who is an adult, but you know, still younger than us. So he's uh, 26. And I just loved using the words he was saying wrong on purpose. Like it brought what? me tremendous joy. Like really, uh. <laughs> like simp. He taught me what a simp was. <laughs> And like, I'm a person on the internet. I like to think that I'm like aware of most slang and terms and stuff like that. Uh, learning simp was really a fun one for me. And then I just got to use it wrong for days and it was really joyful. Can you give me an example of how you used the word simp wrong? I used it right then later by accident because I said, uh, oh, I think something was like really delicious. And I'm like, I'm such a simp for this wine, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. I guess in that moment, what I realized was like, this is just how it goes. It is always joyful to kind of like poke a little bit down at the younger kids by using their slang against them in the way that I know my mom used to do that to me intentionally, you know, yes. or like older people have always just been like, oh, you kids and your squad goals. You know what I mean? And it's <laughs> like, oh, but now that it's me, I'm like, <laughs> it's fun. This is great. It's yeah. Fun. So if the whole point was, if you interact with, with like a high school or middle school kid, again, there, there aren't really words at this point. It's just okay. all, it's all dance moves. Hmm. Are you aware of the Visco girl aesthetic? I'm very aware of the Visco girl aesthetic. Okay. Yes. Cause that's around that age, right? Yes. Yes. They, the, the long shirts, the biker mm -hmm. shorts. Yes. Hydro flasks. The hydro flask. The whole point of me saying the 37, 13 thing was... If you have a 13-year-old in 2020, she's 16. As far as like mental acuity, aw awareness, access to information, mm -hmm. it, in a lot of sophisticated ways, like they are much more mature than we were at that age. So yeah, hearing her tell my six-year-old, who's like a nine or 10-year-old about Visco Girls, it's just... Oh my God. It's a weird like sight. You're like looking at a sentient being tell a half sentient being something that's, <laughs> you know, like that's really complex. Wow. That is fascinating. Yeah. Oh my God. I Googled what Visco girl was at one point. There are no children in my life to educate me about these things. So I have, I have to be a pirate for my own research, you know, <laughs> and, and be like, oh, people are talking about Visco girls. I better well, find out what this is. If you ever need a target audience, just reach out to, to my Alexis and she would, she would love to take you up on that offer. Yes. Also, yeah. I love that you named your daughter Alexis, that yes. it just brings me a tremendous amount of joy. I don't meet a lot of Alexis's. She's great. Uh, as I'm sure most of them are. We're strong. I think we have a strong hit rate. You know, there are very few failures mm -hmm. named Alexis. I mean, because the, the yeah. name itself means defender, 
right? You have to be a does pretty, it? It does. I didn't know. Yeah, it's a very um, spiritually emboldening name, in, in, in my opinion. So my younger brothers are named Alex and Adrian. Okay. And so we named our daughters Alexis and Adriana. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Yes. That is just lovely. So that's the backstory. That is great. So question for you. Yes. What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? Something small, inconsequential that you insist you are right about? Um, The smallest hill that I would die on is that the most inspirational person of 2019-2020 was Gucci Mane. Okay. I am very excited to hear why. If you look at his life, his outward appearance, his lifestyle, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in all intents and purposes, he struggled. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and just looking at how he's gotten his life together, he got married, he he leaned out, he became a, a pretty solid business person. He had a pretty successful 2019, 2020 business wise. He probably had the biggest versus of the year a few days ago with young Jeezy for all the urbanites that are listening to this podcast right now. You understand what I'm talking about. I just think that when people like find a way to improve their lives drastically, it's really universally applicable like you you yeah. appreciate it and he's he's someone that's done that lost like 100 pounds totally yeah and doing all of that in public too right you know under a lot of scrutiny it makes it additionally impressive because yes. people put a lot of pressure on you when you're sort of in public and i think that that is really impressive to be able to in some ways it sounds like turn his life around i'll be honest i don't know a ton about Gucci Mane's life story to know like kind of where he started from, but it sounds like he's doing a lot of stuff. He's doing the work. He's doing the work. It takes a lot of spiritual understanding to figure out like how to, how to address your demons. Yeah. You know, I think he's done Mm -hmm. that. I don't know. Sounds sort of corny, but you know, he has a great book out. He has a book. His book, very simple, very predictable, but good nonetheless. Were you an admirer of his before the last couple years or is he someone who came newly into your orbit? Not really. Oh, interesting. No, I, I, uh, I'm i not a huge fan of his music. In my opinion, I don't love his music, but mm-hmm. I, I always appreciate people that find a way out of a hole. Sure. Totally. So he, he wins that award for me. And in a similar vein, have you ever been proven really, really wrong? Ooh. Well, I'm sure I have. I think that the way the human mind works is like, I can't let myself remember it because then I was like, <laughs> Pressed it. Yeah. Listen, I think that people on Twitter all day tend to try to find ways to make me feel like I'm wrong. Really? Um, there's there's one specific example that I'm going to give him credit for. Whenever COVID began to affect retail in the mm-hmm. spring, I'm not talking about business, just my passions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, I said that e-commerce was going to become 30% of retail by the fall. And back then... A16Z's Benedict Evans, he's like, no, never, essentially. This is mm-hmm. the number. And the number is like in the teens or low 20s. Sure. And, you know, the census data comes out around the fall and it's, I think it's like 23, 24%. Sure. So I think he lowballed it a little bit and I, I highballed it, but he def- he was more right than I was. Ooh. So congratulations, Ben. Uh, <laughs> great newsletter, by the way. I love your newsletter. Hopefully one day we can be friends and work together. He's in the UK, by the way. So he probably watches that baking show. Oh my God. Wow. It sounds like he and I would have a lot to talk about. Notably, yes. whether he watches that show. And then my follow-up question would be, by the way, do you remember this specific Twitter interaction with Webb Smith? He has some feelings about it. You should listen to my podcast. I promise you that would go pretty well for you. It would be a very entertaining conversation. I think that would be a great chat. That sounds like a conversation that I am ready and hopeful to have one day. (laughs) It's hard to get proven wrong. It's never fun to get sort of smacked down a little bit, but... Yeah, but you know, if you hadn't taken a swing at it, sure, you wouldn't have been wrong, but you also would have had no chance of being right. Your opinion comes from a place of uh, information. You weren't just like tossing a random number out there. You could argue that if the data was revised to include a few factors that since this data does not include, the number would actually be right. But that's a different <laughs> argument for a different day. I love that 
basically what you just said, just to play that back is if you looked at the numbers differently or they were different numbers, I might kind of maybe actually have been totally 100% accurate. Well, that's, I guess that sounds sort of Trumpian. So I apologize. (laughs) Oh man. Um, Gosh, that's great. Is there a fad uh, that you look back on participating in now that makes you a little cringy? And that could be fashion, workout, anything cultural. Yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, I wore Vibrant Five Fingers. What is that? Those running shoes with the toes. Oh my God, Web! I know. No. Yeah, I did that. I did that. No, no. Um, okay. Actually, I know people who've done that. And also, I'm not, I don't mean to be offensive to those who believe that it is better for the foot or whatever, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was a moment that everyone decided, right? Yes, it was. And it was like 2010 through 12. Mm-hmm. And I, I stopped immediately once I realized how dumb it was. Did it feel better to run in them than your normal running shoes? No. <laughs> so you were in it for the cool look. I don't know if I was in it for the cool look. I felt like the world was trying to tell us that that was the way that we should do it. Just okay. like the world tells us that we shouldn't eat 70 ribs at, in one city. <laughs> you know? I've definitely done stuff like that where I'm like, society seems to be telling me that I should do this. Exactly. I'm going I'm to do this. I'm trying to think of a good example of that. I feel like Soul Cycle was maybe a good example for me. Wait, what? Soul Cycle. Society was like, you should do Soul Cycle. And I was like, yep. Uh huh. You're right. Did you did you enjoy it? Yeah, I loved it. I still love it. I mean, obviously not during COVID. I like Soul. It's great. I was walking past a Soul Cycle class, maybe a month ago in Hudson yeah. Yards. Oh, they're doing them outside there. Outside, yes. And they 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 were dancing, Alexis. Dancing on the bike. On the bike. I didn't do a lot of dancing. I w- I'm going to tell you something that I did that is terrible and why I'm saying it on my own podcast. It's really, it boggles the mind. I- I'm only disclosing this because I know ultimately I have editing power. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, is it? Uh, it's my show. So um, I, uh, I gave myself a concussion at Soul Cycle. You hit the, you hit the handle. <laughs> I hit the handle. Doing the tap backs. No, not doing the tap backs. Something way worse than that. What'd you I, do? Okay, I was running late to Soul Cycle and it was in Williamsburg. And I ran in to the lobby. I was like a couple minutes late for class, which it's completely dark. So sure. they have to walk you in with a flashlight. Yes. So I literally like threw my shirt on in the lobby. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm, like, I'm so sorry. They're like, it's fine. It's fine. They're being so nice about it. They walk me in. I like get on the bike. I clip in my shoes. And they leave and I'm like, okay, I'm here. And then I needed to tighten my shoe. So I bent down really, really fast to tighten it. And I slammed my forehead into the metal handlebar. It hurt so bad, but I was like, wow, that really hurt. And then I was like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder if I have a concussion. And then I was like, no, you throw up when you have a concussion. Am I going to throw up? No. Great. Guess I'll just do this entire 45-minute spin class. You did it. Yeah, I did it. Of course. Because I was like, Welp, here we go. Time to spin. And so then after the class, I was like, my pupils are... They're so big. They're so very big. Yeah. And I was so weird all night. And I didn't make the connection until the next day when I was confused about why a television show wasn't on. I had the day of the week wrong. And I was like, I maybe need to go to the doctor. (sighs) Well, uh, I look forward to you going back and giving me more stories about tap backs and concussions. Me too, except hopefully I'd never get another concussion at SoulCycle, knock on wood. What makes you laugh? Well, uh, I love viral videos on Twitter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. Uh, yes. Mm. <laughs> My favorite movie of all time is Trading Places. I don't know that one. It's Eddie Murphy and uh, Dan Aykroyd from, I think, 1984. Nice. It's the best movie about finance in the history of film. Oh, Eddie Murphy. Is that what your Twitter header is from? Okay. Yes. It's the moment where like the two guys find him to help him become upperly mobile in ways, though they have... Hmm. They have bad intentions. Sure. Yes. Have you watched it a number of times? At least 150 times. No way. Wow. So you really know this movie? Yes. Yes. It's it's the it's one of the funniest movies of all time. Like I I'm begging you to watch it, and I want your honest I want your honest opinion. Like I want you to think, 
just tell me if this is so obnoxious because of certain references they make. I want to know the truth. Like, tell me if you really think it's one of your top 10 after you watch it. Oh, I will. I definitely okay. will. Of course, I'll tell you the truth. Do you think that your passion for this movie comes more from the age you were when you watched it? Or do you think that it really is one of the best movies ever made? I definitely did not watch Trading Places when I was a kid. <laughs> so, oh, really? Okay. No, 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 no. It's not that kind of movie. I, I think I appreciate the movie because it's informative and it, it, there's an element of it that is inspirational and it's just timeless comedy. In the same way that Caddyshack is timeless comedy. Totally. Caddyshack's yes. one of my favorite movies. There you go. Okay. So I'm excited. I can't believe I got a movie recommendation out of this. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I still have eight seasons of The Great British Baking Show to plow through. So <laughs> <laughs> honestly, the episodes are so long. It's like a solid 50 minutes per episode. It is just... Really? It is gorgeous. Yeah. There's so much of the show to watch. I, I'm in love with it. I'm in love with it. And you don't get bored of the same thing with the same catchphrases all the time? The same... Oh my God, of goods. course not. No. Oh, okay. Hold on a second. Web, it is not the same baked goods, my friend. There is a theme every episode okay. and there are three baking challenges per episode. All sponge cake? No, there's the signature bake. There's the technical <laughs> challenge. And then there's the showstopper. My new dream job would be to host the American version of this show. I will watch it to better understand its, its appeal. <laughs> okay. So, Webb, do you know your Myers-Briggs type and do you care? I remember it from middle school. Yeah. my Middle school, you took it? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I am an ESTJ. ESTJ. Which I think is bullshit. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. So, ESTJ would be extroverted. Extroverted. Sensing, thinking, and judging, I think. So the E, I, I don't think that I'm an extrovert. You don't think so? No, I actually... I don't enjoy doing this. Don't enjoy, enjoy doing what? Oh, talking to me? Yeah. I, I mean, I you, yes. Like, I appreciate yeah. being here. I'm saying like, <laughs> I, I don't love like podcasts and like mm -hmm. Q&As and like yeah. speaking on stage and things like that. I don't love it. So the definition of extrovert introvert that I've heard is always been like where you get your energy from, like kind of how you recharge. So it sounds like you do recharge more when you're alone. Is that true? Yes. There are people who are introverted and still like can be very charismatic and like still do extroverty things. Sure. I think that I do what I have to do given what my industry is. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So you think it's BS, the Myers-Briggs thing? I think that... If I took it again and I was more sincere with myself, mm. I, I would definitely be an I. But at okay. that time, I'm in Texas and I'm a middle schooler, or early high schooler and football and all those things and all mm -hmm. things you're supposed to be. Yep. And all I really want to do is play video games. Okay. <laughs> wow. What video games did you want to play? I mean, at the time, it was Goldeneye. On Nintendo 64. 007. 007, yeah. Do you still play any video games? No, I have a PS4 that I never play because I'm just OCD about everything. Like I'm an okay. all or nothing kind of person. So sure, sure. I do one thing. If it's working out, I do that every day. Mm -hmm. I can't play video games because if I start, then I'm going to lose it all because I'm not going to stop. Wow. So you grew up playing Nintendo then in 64. Yes. Did you ever think about getting the Nintendo Switch? Yes. I've tried to get my kids the Nintendo Switch for like the last 12 months. Yeah. And I would have loved to own one, especially on flights. I would, that's, well, that's why I was asked because I seem to remember learning, I think from your Instagram, <laughs> that you travel a lot. I do. Yeah. So I bought a Switch because at the time I was traveling for work and I loved just having it with me. Because it's a great thing to whip out on a flight. So I would highly recommend a Nintendo Switch. And I, you have kids. If I had kids, I'd be buying them all the stuff that I want. And I'd be like, I got you a present for That's me. For I got me. us a gift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they have everything that they want. So I, I've actually tried to pull back a little bit. I get that. Yeah. I don't want them to be spoiled, you know? Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, you're an entrepreneur. Do they share any of your entrepreneurial spirit? Oof. 
I mean, I think that they build marketplaces in Roblox to sell goods. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think I, I I know that they they dabble in that. Can you tell me what Roblox is? Because I know that I'm supposed to know what it is, and I don't. And I'm sorry. And I know that we're all supposed to know, and it's the future, and the children are the future. But I never <laughs> looked it up. I never looked it up, and now it's too late. It's it's an interactive multiplayer game where okay. you essentially you're essentially building, you know a place to live and a place to work and you're interacting with people that can provide resources for you and all this stuff. And now you're starting to see actual commerce happen in this game and with real you know, dollars, with real dollars. And, hmm. you know, it, it was meant to be a pure game a la the Sims and it's sort of evolved into a metaverse light. Okay. So I loved the Sims. Do we think I would like Roblox also do adults play this or just kids? I think that I think that adults do dabble in Roblox. Yes. It was intended for young people, but as it's matured and sophisticated mm-hmm. commerce-wise, I feel like adults are paying more attention to it, especially given like it's become like a third place mm. during the pandemic to hang out with your friends. Do you know your Enneagram number? I refuse to take that test. Really? Okay, tell me why. Because I feel like everyone talks about it. And I going back to the Myers-Briggs thing, I feel like if you classify yourself, you will begin to live the brand and the classification. Then that's all they that's all they say. Like mm. this is my number, therefore this is what I am. And I don't think that you should box yourself in like that. So interesting. Do you know your astrological sign? I'm a Gemini. You're a Gemini. Is that uh, is that important to you? Do you read into astrology and stuff? I don't really read into astrology, but what I typically hear about Geminis is that either we're very loyal or we're not loyal at all. Okay. And so it's really confusing to me. I feel like I'm a pretty decent human being and I'm a good friend. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear people say Geminis are like, oh, you better look out for those Geminis. It's like, come on, guys. Like, yeah. It's just astrology. Come on. Hmm. Okay, but I I don't want to offend anyone. If if people take it seriously, like I understand. The reason I know that Gemini's are supposed to be quote I'm putting air quotes two faced or there's oh, two see? sides to them is only from there's a Lizzo song where she talks about it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, Lizzo, thank you a lot for setting the stage for the rest of us. Well, maybe there is a positive side to that as well. Like are Gemini's also maybe versatile? or adaptable? Definitely versatile. I like to think that I'm adaptable. I've certainly had to adapt over my last 10 or 15 years, but uh, I think I am what I am. Like I feel like if, if you like me, you like me. If you don't, you don't. I think that's a very strong position to be in. Maybe Geminis are strong. The thing is, I don't know. So we could say anything we want about <laughs> Geminis and just decide that that's true. Just so you know, you've won me over. I'll do the Enneagram number thing. I'll let you know what I am. I'll put it in my Twitter bio. I'm a nine, whatever. Do people do that? Yes. Ew. Yes. (laughs) Sorry. Oh God. Sorry for anyone who has that in your bio. I think it's kind of, um, I think it's a little lame though. No, I don't. I mean, I do. I super do, but I also feel bad. I hate making people feel bad. So I'm really torn. Everybody do what you want. Um, Webb, do you meditate? I hate this question. Tell me why. Because I... I'm an EO and I have some forum members that are very highly spiritual in that sense. And they get mad at me for not taking 15 minutes a day to traditionally Mm -hmm. meditate. However, I feel that when I am exerting myself physically to a certain point, I can't think about my head at all. I'm a ghost in those moments. Like if if I'm running, like my mind is just like shut off. And in my mind, I feel as close to at peace Mm -hmm. as anything else. Yeah. Now, people that love meditation in the traditional sense will tell me that that's not meditation. Hmm. But for me, like that's when I that's when I feel quote unquote close to God. What is EO? Entrepreneurs organization. Oh, cool. No one I've asked has said yes to do you meditate. So you're in <laughs> you're in good company with all of the other guests of non technical. It's it's I think it's perceived as a weakness and it shouldn't be perceived as a weakness to meditate. Yes. Hmm. Very interesting. Yes, other activities can certainly be meditative too. You mentioned working out. You've won me over again. I will try to meditate tonight. 
<laughs> I promise I'm not out here like shilling for big meditation. <laughs> Sponsored by Calm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, gosh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. Do you believe in ghosts? I've seen one. <gasps> Tell me everything. Yes. So I have a really bad memory, but I will. Okay. I can remember everything about this. Okay. It's Dallas, Texas. My little sister is three or four. I might be seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I get up to use the restroom in the middle of the night. I see her running from her bedroom to a closet. Okay. Closet opens, closet closes. She's in the closet. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, her name is Brittany. Mm-hmm. Um, I run to go get Brittany out of the closet. Mm-hmm. And I realize that Brittany's not there. Oh my God. I go into her room and she's asleep. Oh my God. Yes. So you think that was a ghost? I think that was a ghost. You were very young, but did you like poke around? Did you try and find the ghost again? Oh no, 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 no. I I don't remember being scared. I just remember being like, that was definitely a ghost. My dad used to make us watch Unsolved Mysteries all the time. So like Mm -hmm. I had a tolerance for fear. I wasn't afraid. I was just like, oh, that was clearly, I know what I saw Mm -hmm. like running away from me. Mm -hmm. I saw the door open. I saw it closed. I opened the door. Nothing's there. I'm not tripping. Like, right. It was, it was a ghost. Cool. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to bed now. Wow. Yeah. Then you remember it 30 years later, 30 years later. Holy shit. I can can remember the, (laughs) I can remember the layout of that house. We've had five houses since then. I can remember everything so clearly. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That stuff just gets burned into your brain. Mm -hmm. I can't believe you've seen a ghost. I'm so excited. (laughs) That's so cool. Oh, wow. That's awesome. We're going to take a quick podcast break and we will be right back. You're listening to non-technical, but you may be super technical. You might love to code even on evenings and weekends, but hey, you're still human, right? Worklife builds and backs low-code and no-code tools for people who can code. I mean, who doesn't love finding ways to make work easier and life a little less stressful? Worklife has backed Mux, WorkOS, Daily.co, Supabase, actually dozens of technical tools that power better video experiences, faster streaming, and new ways to build video games, websites, and more. Worklife backs technical teams building the future of media, entertainment, and well, all types of events and experiences online. Sign up for updates at worklife.vc. And we're back with Webb Smith. Webb, we have come to a very special time in the non-technical podcast, uh, which is the lightning round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take it? Black. Iced or Hot. Hot. Any exception to that? Or is it just all... Love that. Okay. That's that's the truth. I love that. iOS or Android? iOS. Come on. That's not even a question for you? No. Does everyone in your family have an iOS? Uh, Yes. Do you have any close friends that have Android phones? Joel Furno is in my EO forum and he angers me to this day because he won't get an iOS. Damn, Joel. Come on. I Come know. on down to iMessages. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> we can all react together, yes, you know, yes, hearts please. on everything. Have you ever read a book twice other than, well, you must have read The Great Gatsby a number of times at this point, but have you ever read a book twice? Yes, I have. What book? Sort of awkward now, to be honest. What? Uh, zero to One by Peter Thiel. <laughs> oh, I yeah. remember. Oh, yeah, I have that. I have Zero to One. It's great. Yeah, it is good. <laughs> Uh, I know. <laughs> anyway, um, do you have <laughs> good book? Do you have a pump up song? Yeah, I think the national anthem of black pump up songs is a song by the crime mob called "Nuck If You Buck." Okay, I know that song. Yes, there you go. Do you listen to that before you work out, or while you're working out, or is it more of like an emotional pump up song? Or before I write blogs, just to oh. end the day. Love that. Are you serious? I can't tell if you're joking or serious because I do shit like that 100%. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes I have to nuck before I buck. I, I completely relate. What would you title your memoir? I still made it. Ooh, I would read that book. That's a great title. There's a lot to that title. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about writing a memoir? Have you thought about writing a book? No, I I feel like I haven't accomplished enough yet. And I think that maybe once 
once I do, if someone asks me to do it, I'll consider it, but I'm never going to start the discovery process myself. Hmm. Interesting. I would argue that you've already accomplished a great deal and that anything you. you wrote about that would be very interesting to a number of people. I also relate to the feeling of maybe not wanting to voluntarily say, you know what you all should read about? My life. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get that. But I, I think, I don't know, if you have the stories in you, I think you should go for it. I think it's important to give people a map where there isn't a map. And that's something that I'm interested in doing someday. I just want to make sure that my map is complete. That there's a destination on the map. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Webb Smith, this has been truly a treat to get to know you more and chat with you and have you on non-technical. Thank you so much for joining the pod. It was all my pleasure. Thank you so much. And where can people find you if they want to follow up with you on the internet, on maybe Twitter? Yeah, just at Webb on Twitter, Webb Smith on Instagram, and 2pm.inc is my baby. Yes. Fantastic. Dear listeners, if you liked today's show, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't, go ahead and throw me a sweet, sweet five-star review on iTunes. But I have a request, which is if that review could include Tech Lingo or Corp Speak, that would really uh, delight me. And then I'll read my favorite one in the next episode. Uh, until then, you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram, or you can find the podcast at Pod on Twitter. And I hope everyone has just an absolutely fabulous day. Webb, one more time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Bye. Oh, yay. I have a review to read. This is from Corporate Ashley. She says, I'll be sure to circle back. Five stars. Closing out the quarter strong with the launch of this net new podcast. While I'm surprised these execs had the bandwidth to take on this opportunity, I was delighted to hear Alexis pick their brains and pivot the conversation so organically. She's got a great strategy here and I'm sure it'll scale. Someone hit the gong. I'm sold. Thank you so much, Corporate Ashley. And if you want to hear me read your review on the next episode, go ahead and leave it on iTunes and give me a little corpse speak, little tech lingo in there. And maybe you'll hear it on the pod. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.